RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories. Officials deny British allegations of Beijing interference. The Medical Council considers revisiting plans to attract overseas doctors. And things are going well for Hong Kong at the Rugby Sevens. The government has hit back against a report by a British parliamentary committee warning that Hong Kong's autonomy is at risk. The Foreign Affairs Committee report challenged Beijing over its commitment to the principle of one country, two systems, warning that the SAR is in reality moving towards one country, one and a half systems. But the Mainland and Constitutional Affairs Bureau said the administration has been exercising a high degree of autonomy and the one country, two systems principle has been fully and successfully implemented. DAB Chairwoman Starry Lee agrees with the government. I don't think that report reflects the reality and I don't think it is a fair comment because we all know that Hong Kong is operated under one country and two system and this is secured by basic law and the relevant law in Hong Kong. If we have any deviation from the law, we have to face challenge from a different court and a different supervision from various sources like the media. And I think there are a lot of misunderstanding and there are a lot of rumour and some people do go to other communities to advocate that one country, two system is not performing well, I think all this leads to this report. Civic Party leader Alvin Young has warned that a government proposal to allow one-off extraditions to the mainland is a cause for concern, despite a former Justice Secretary saying there's nothing to worry about. Elsie Leung had said that concerns over the proposal are absurd, as even so-called hostile governments such as Beijing and Taipei can make deals on the transfer of fugitives. But Mr Young said the deal between the two was struck between two semi-official organisations. He says that's exactly what the SAR should do to handle a recent Taiwan murder case which the government has cited as the need for the new extradition law. There's a platform between Hong Kong and Taipei that is outside the government and that is the best platform to get something done. Right now, we do not see any determination by the Hong Kong government to get anything constructive. Instead, you can see from the Mainland Affairs Council from Taiwan, they have made it so clear that they oppose what we are doing right now in Hong Kong. If Hong Kong wishes to bring justice to the victim's family, the best way is to go through the platform between Taipei and Hong Kong outside the government structure. The Medical Council is looking for ways to soon revisit proposals aimed at attracting more overseas doctors. Earlier this week, the Council surprisingly rejected four suggestions that would ease the internship requirements for overseas trained doctors after they pass a licensing exam here. Under its House rules, the Council will have to wait another six months to put forward the same items for a second vote. But one member, Ho Chung Ping, from the Medical Association, says there may be a way to bypass the problem. We proposed to the Hong Kong Medical Council that they will be look at this matter and then we are very happy to repackage our proposal to make it again or maybe reduce the differences so that it can be bring back to for discussion again so that it can be implemented. Because it delayed for six months is actually a lot good for us or a lot good for the public. To sport now and it's day two of the Rugby Sevens. RTHK's Mike Weeks joins us now live from the Hong Kong Stadium. Hi Mike. Hi good, hi, good day again, Bill. And this year's uh, tournament has just seen its first big upset. Wales have beaten World 7 Series leaders USA by 21 points to 19 to leave Pool D up for grabs. England already have two wins in the group but play the Americans in their final game just after 4 o'clock this afternoon. Wales also now look good for two wins as they're up against Spain in their last pool match. So all three teams could still end with two victories in a piece. 
in the pool of death. New Zealand are looking good for their second victory. It's the second half against Kenya, and the New Zealanders are leading by 22 points to nil. Uh, but the big news, at least as far as Hong Kong is concerned today, is their hard-fought victory over Tonga to win their group in the qualifier tournament to see who will gain entry into next year's World 7 Series. A brilliant start, which saw Jack Neville go over within seconds, was followed up just before the end of the first half with a well-worked score for Michael Coverdale for a 14-12 lead at the break. Early in the second, Hong Kong looked like they would run away with it after Captain Max Woodward muscled over for their third try, seconds after a Tongan player was red-carded for a spear tackle. But down to six players, Tonga rang, rang in the changes and fought back with only a brilliant tackle from Jamie Hood stopping them from equalising in the dying seconds. So that match ending uh, 19 points to 14, but Hong Kong... Uh, 19 points to 12, sorry, but Hong Kong's win saw them and Germany emerge as top seeds for the quarterfinals, meaning they'll play the Philippines for a place in the semi-finals at 10 past 7 tonight. And yesterday, Hong Kong comfortably beat the Philippines 33-17 and are looking good to repeat that to reach the semi-finals. This is Mike Weeks at the Hong Kong Sevens for RTHK. Thanks, Mike. You're listening to RTHK. The time is just after five minutes past one. Rights groups monitoring Saudi Arabia say the authorities have arrested at least eight academics and journalists who support 11 women activists on trial for challenging male guardianship laws. The U.S. State Department confirmed that two of those detained are U.S. citizens. The women's trial has attracted international condemnation. The board of the World Bank has approved an economist from the U.S. Treasury as its new president. David Malpass had worked as an economic advisor on Donald Trump's presidential election campaign. BBC's Andrew Walker has more. David Malpass was a controversial choice when President Trump nominated him. He's been very critical of international agencies such as the World Bank and many development experts were concerned that a Trump nominee would not be committed to the institution's work on climate change. He has sought to reassure his critics, saying that he's committed to the organisation's mission. In spite of the widespread criticism of the US hold on the World Bank presidency throughout its existence, Mr Malpass was the only candidate, though the previous appointment in 2012 was contested. European leaders say they're reluctant to approve the request by the British Prime Minister Theresa May for a further delay of Brexit. The Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte said London still needed to provide a clearer outline of its plans ahead of an EU summit on Wednesday at which the request will be discussed. A letter was sent today which, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't answer this request for more information. We hope to get more clarity from London before next Wednesday. That would be the best case. Diplomats in New York are holding an emergency meeting of the United Nations Security Council to consider the increasing danger of a major military confrontation in Libya. Earlier, the UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, said his talks with Libya's most powerful military commander, Khalifa Haftar, who heads the self-styled Libyan National Army, or LNA, had ended in failure. Speaking before the Security Council meeting, the UK Deputy Representative at the UN, Jonathan Allen, said that Britain wanted to see an end to General Haftar's advance on Tripoli. We are very clear today in calling uh, for uh, the LNA to withdraw to previously held positions and to cease military activity. There is no military solution in Libya and we need to see everybody getting back into the political process being so expertly chaired by Ghassan Salame and to resume dialogue. 
There are reports of fighting less than 50 kilometres south of the capital. Tripoli is where the internationally recognised government is based, while General Haftar has his power base in eastern Libya. Tens of thousands of people have demonstrated in the Malian capital, Bamako, to show their anger at the authorities' failure to stop ethnic violence. They demanded that Mali's president step down and that United Nations peacekeepers leave. The protest was largely peaceful, but at one point police fired tear gas and demonstrators threw stones. Mali has been struggling to restore stability six years after a jihadist advance from the north. More sport now, and with our regular look ahead to the weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. Manchester City's quest for a quadruple continues when they take on struggling Brighton in the FA Cup semi-finals. City look unbeatable at the moment with 14 wins in a row in all competitions. Brighton, on the other hand, have lost their last two matches. They still aren't out of relegation danger in the Premier League. The other semi-final is much more difficult to predict as two of the best teams from outside the so-called Big Six meet at Wembley. Wolves and Watford are 7th and 8th in the table respectively, but the fact that Watford beat Wolves 2-0 away from home earlier this season may give them a slight psychological edge. Back in the Premier League, it's a big weekend for Arsenal and Chelsea in the race for the top four. Arsenal are fourth. They're level on points with fifth place Chelsea and they have a tough game away at inform Everton. Chelsea, meanwhile, have a London derby against inconsistent West Ham. And in the relegation battle, a win for Burnley against Bournemouth would take them eight points clear of the drop zone. Whoever wins, meanwhile, between Crystal Palace and Newcastle will surely have enough points for safety and to book a place in the Premier League for next season. Those are some of the games to look forward to. This is John Bennett at BBC Global Sports. And to end the news, a reminder of the top stories once again. Officials deny British allegations of Beijing interference. The Medical Council considers revisiting plans to attract overseas doctors. And Hong Kong makes it three from three at the Rugby Sevens. That's the news from RTHK. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, in the chair till 3pm. This week we have a new selection of hot new hits from a lot of places on the planet. With hot sounds from the Caribbean to Africa, the Americas to Europe and more. As always, Giovanetti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our very first hot new track from a transatlantic cooperation between Delgres, very much Caribbean-based uh, in Paris, and Jean-Louis Aubert. Delgres, a Creole blues trio, fronted by Pascal Danae, who is also the founder, multi-instrumentalist, singer-songwriter of Note. Uh, he performs uh, on acoustic guitar and sings in Creole, Creole French. His parents were from Guadeloupe Island. Uh, and... Uh, He's accompanied by Baptiste Brody on drums and Rafji on sous-bassophone, a new instrument. They're accompanied on this track by Jean-Louis Aubert, who's possibly the most famous French guitarist, rock guitarist of note. He's, uh, of course, started off in the 70s and 80s with the band, the rock band, Téléphone, been solo for quite a few decades, uh, and recently, in the last few years, has been performing with the band Les Insus. <laughs> 
the unknown. Uh, this said, the track is called Vivre sur la route. It's a tip of the hat to the classic title, Le 